were want for nothing. He promised your seed would be blessed. Church say amen. And knock out that the Lord is good. He is the, he is the light of my life. Thank you Jesus. Thank you guys for your faithfulness. Amen. Uh, ushers, anybody come late? Show them the basket. Let's, let's stand for offertory. All things come of thee O Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask for the announcements very quickly, and then Kim will come and sing, then we'll have a word. Church, say amen. Today's announcements are as follows. We are excited to formally announce 2012 as the year of Pastor Gordon's silver anniversary at St. Matthew's Baptist Church. As we celebrate pastor's leadership of this great church for over 25 years, we invite you to share our excitement and join us on Friday, December 7th at the Hilton Hotel on City Line Avenue in Philadelphia for pastor's anniversary celebratory gala. We have a spectacular evening planned that includes a VIP reception, dinner, great entertainment with ample parking, and a souvenir booklet for you to place your congratulatory message and well wishes. Tickets will be available in August, $65 per person for the dinner only. Thank you for sharing in our excitement. We look forward to seeing you at the Hilton Hotel on December 7th. Friday nights at SNBC kickoff. On September 14th, we have something for all ages. Join the children's ministry in the FLC or get your teens to enjoy our youth spectacular in the CDC banquet hall. For more information, visit the youth table in the main lobby or call the church at extension 2278. Get a jump start by taking our SIT prep classes beginning on September 15th. Join us every Saturday from 9.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Register in the main lobby at the youth table. If you would like any more information on these announcements, please visit our main lobby. This concludes today's general announcements.
Father, we bless your name this morning. No other help we know. Lord God, we thank you for your faithfulness. Even in the midst of our foolishness, you've been faithful. You've been good. You've been great. And we thank you this morning. And we confess that we are wrong and you are right. We are weak, but thou art strong. Thank you for this Lord's Day. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, in spite of what we think, please have your way. For thou art the potter, and we are the clay. Mold us, make us, break us shake us whatever you need to do go on and do it lord that you may be glorified now meet us in your word convict convince if need be converted in jesus name amen church say amen church say amen again what a mighty god we serve first giving honor to our lord and savior jesus christ to our co-laborers in the pulpit, to our officers and members, to our illustrious minister music and choir. Let's, let's give our choir a hand clap. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't get excited when everybody sings. Boy, that girl got some. <laughs> Good night, Irene. Hallelujah. So glad to be back. So glad that you are here this morning. I miss you. I love you. I pray for you. Thank God for you. This morning we're in John chapter 9. St. John chapter 9. A Johannine letter. Gospel depicting Jesus as the Son of God, and in this particular epistle or letter, God the Son. Yeah. Son of God and God the Son. Son of God means that he descended. God the Son means he's divine. Can I get a witness? Here in John chapter 9, I want to, for a few moments, preach around the subject. My sight is my plight. Let me say it again. My sight, the way I see things, the way I reason, the way I calculate, the way I feel, my sight is my plight. Mm. Perspective is a powerful, persuasive perception of how we see ourselves and how we see others and even how we see God. Both our securities and vulnerabilities are all based on our sights. And I've learned, Dr. Bettner, that our sights, the way we see things, are either fruitful or fractured. 
they are either positively shaped by a healthy history or, listen, they're shattered by a hurting history. Too often we blame others for what we ourselves are responsible for. If you want to hear a humble person talk, all the negative emphasis will always be on them. And the positive emphasis will always be on others. Meaning that you have spiritual sight. People who have been exposed and experienced rejection and abandonment typically are in a war trying to defend self. They struggle with acceptance and approval of themselves. And when I struggle with myself, accepting myself, approving myself, I'm going to indirectly struggle with you. And everything that I see coming into my life has to go through the grid, the lens of my historical context. That before I can exalt or lift up Gary Tunstall, I have to feel secure within myself in order for me to lift you up. If lifting you up will diminish me, I don't lift you up. Are y'all praying with me? And, 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 and if I struggle with abuse or harsh treatment in my life, typically I'm struggling with a low self-esteem, self-rejection, and the difficulty with intimacy. That it's difficult for me to love, love, love. And without piercing too much on the psychological edge, I just wanted to touch this to say that basically all of us are products of our past. I, I, I used to wonder when I went to counseling, and I've been to numerous counseling sessions, why the counselor would go to school 8 to 12 years just to ask me, so how does that make you feel? Paying all this money for them to ask me that one question. And they kept saying, why does this make you feel? The interesting thing about these consultations is that they never come out and say to two people who's right and who's wrong. They want you to see yourself. Come on. Yes, sir. They've been trained to listen. Thank Jesus. And the fact of the matter is, is that I know in my own life I have rejection and abandonment issues from my childhood, which was no fault of my parents nor me, but what those issues caused in me was a work ethic, a workaholic working for approval, not of other people, of myself. So I work relentlessly just to prove to myself that I'm acceptable. Y'all not getting this. There, now some good has come out of that. I'm, I'm diligent. I'm going to make sure this church is always in the right place. High character, integrity. We're going to make sure things are done right. But there's a price to pay. And I don't trust people. Trust is earned. I don't, you know, you can trust me. <laughs> and because I was in the military seven years doing classified work for the government, 
And I was told at 18, if you mess this work up, you're going to spend 20 years in Leavenworth doing hard labor. If you divulge anything, what that created in me was cover your own back. So I struggle with delegation. Give it to me, Pastor. I got it. No, not on my watch. You don't have it. And, and, and then I knew I really had problems when I'm at home and late at night, Sister Gordon would put the alarm on. And she would, I'd be watching TV. She said, the alarm is on. I said, okay. The alarm meaning that if anybody lifted the window, opened the door, it would, whoa, 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 it would go off. And I knew I had a problem when she went to bed. I would get up, take the alarm off, and put it back on <laughs> to make sure it was on right. <laughs> I've, only, I've only been married 25 years. But I, I said, I cannot afford to wake up in the middle of the night, Bruce, and somebody standing over me that I don't know because Sister Gordon made a mistake. <laughs> Don't open your mouth. <laughs> what she wants to say is that even when I went behind her, I made a mistake. <laughs> How many of you are like me? Scared to trust others. Come on, put your hand up. This is therapeutic. Therapeutic. So God will let us fail to prove that we're not the end within ourselves. My God. Mm. That in this critical chapter of John 9, Jesus uses a paradox, an apparent contradiction, by saying, if you say you can see, you're blind. And if you confess that you are blind without Jesus, then you can see. Too many people claim to see, but they're blind as a bat with sunglasses on. And it's, and, it's, and it's in this context that God wants to heal our sights. He wants to heal the way we see. Yeah, he wants to heal the way we think. He wants to heal the way we reason. That everything is not at you or about you or out to get you. Can y'all get this? That, that, that these self-protective devices, these strongholds of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that we keep erecting to protect ourselves, to protect, you know, that intimate part of us and, and, and whatnot. And, 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 and the fact of the matter is, is that when we begin to look at the map, this matter of sights, the Bible calls sights insights, God gives you the power of insight when you get saved and get into the Word, so He can give you, listen to this, a perspective on your hindsight. Too many of us are still enslaved to the past. Too many of us are still paying a price for the past. We keep going back to the past, blaming the past on the present. Oh, I'm preaching up in this place now. It was mommy's fault. It was daddy's fault. It was my first husband. It was my second wife. We, we keep going back. But when you are, amen, under the word of God and God is straightening out your sight, you get a perspective on your hindsight. You can accept your past. You know why you can accept your past? Because you are living only in the present. And then God is not only giving you hindsight, he's giving you foresight you're living by faith not by feelings and we walk away with an oversight that God is protecting me praise the Lord John chapter 9 offers to us three significant things and I want to deal with this it's a dissertation a launching pad 
to prove that Jesus is Messiah and Master, the Son of God, and God the Son. In John, uniquely, unlike the synoptic Gospels, the word synoptic means synonymous, They're, they have something in common, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptics, John is not. John proves that Jesus is God. There, there, there are seven I am's, and you remember God told Moses, Moses said, what's your name? I am that I am. Jehovah Lord, God, I am, Yahweh, I am God. There are seven I am's in John, and then there are seven miraculous miracles that only God can perform. In John chapter 2 is the first sign, miracle, when Jesus changed at a wedding the water into wine. Now the miracle was not that Jesus uh, put something in the water, not that he touched the water. Uh, he just sat there and thought wine and water became wine. And it was the best wine anybody ever tasted. Are you praying with me? The first sign was changing water into wine. The second sign is in John chapter 4, listen to this, when he healed an old man's son from a distance. Go on home, your son is healed. Yeah, third, 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 third sign is in John chapter 5. Amen. When he told a paralytic of 38 years, get up, take your bed, and walk. And then in chapter 6 is the fourth sign when he fed 5,000 plus with a little boy's lunch, multiplying a, a few pieces of fish and bread. Are you praying with me? And then in the same sixth chapter where he is known as I am the bread of life, he walks on water at night, breaking all the laws of aquadynamics. Mm -hmm. Then you get to the ninth chapter. He's healing a man with congenital blindness. That means from his birth. Amen. Not cataracts, not, not bad sight. I mean, the man is born blind. And then the last sign is in John chapter 11, where he raises Lazarus from the dead after being dead four days. All of these miracles only God can do. And so it's here in the ninth chapter where he is, the light of the world, and, and, and for the sake of time, I just want to look. We have to learn as Bible students to ask the interrogatives, where, when, how, why, and when. Ask questions as you read. And, and the ninth chapter starts off, it says, and, conjunction. We, 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 we do not start a sentence with a conjunction. Meaning we got to go back to the 8th chapter and the immediate text of the 8th chapter, the 8th chapter contextually deals with the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. But in the 59th chapter, they took up stones to cast at him. Now, now listen to this. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by. Don't take that too lightly. I mentioned this this morning. This is, not a, this, this is not a ducking and dodging of a crowd. Let's go back and look at the 59th verse. They took up stones to cast at him, meaning they had aim. They knew where he was. They had an aim. You getting this, Chris? I can see Chris Bennett. I got a stone. I'm aiming at you. For you to be able, look at the 59th verse, to, watch this now, Go through the midst of a crowd and get out <clears throat> and hide yourself when I got aim is next to impossible. Some commentators believe this was a miracle. I've heard some commentators actually say Jesus disappeared on him. He vanished and reappeared where this blind man was. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. And until your hour comes, you can't die. I don't care how high your blood pressure is, you shouldn't, and you should work on that. I don't care how high your cholesterol is, until God is ready for you. You're not going anywhere. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I can't leave until he calls. Can I get a witness? Child of God, child of God, child of God, child of God. And then the Bible says, and as Jesus passed by he saw a man who was blind from his birth now, now let me stop Paul's apart because 
This is an exposition of a theological question. Now we're theological. Theo, God, logical, study of. Now we're talking about a study of God. We're talking about some doctrinal stuff. So verse 2 says, the disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin that this man, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now let's do the homework. It's deep. What the disciples are inferring is what we call prenatal, a prenatal occurrence. Prenatal, prenatal means before birth. Did something happen before the man's birth to determine his blindness? In other words, there, is, there are some ignoramuses that preach of a Hamitic curse from the Garden of Eden. No. Was your family curse in the 30s and you are a proponent of that curse? No. What this question raises is a theology on suffering. Is all of my suffering because of my sin? Now, this is a large discussion, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. There are some sins that can cause you to suffer. 1 Corinthians 11.30 says that some, some are asleep, some are sick, some are dead at the communion table. If I sow, I'll reap. Come on now, y'all can pray back for me. But you got to be careful because I'll use three J's. Job suffered and became sick, but he never sinned. Joseph suffered, spent two years in jail, but he never sinned. His brothers threw him in jail. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And of course, the Lord Jesus Christ suffered but he never said. You better have a theology on suffering that when suffering comes into your life, it's not because you have sinned. Bible says if God should mark iniquities, who could stand? If God was paying me back for all my sins, I might as well go to hell this morning. Do I have a witness? Oh, I'm preaching up in this place. Child of God, there's purpose for your suffering. And God doesn't let you in at all of his purposes. And child of God, some of his purposes is under grace. Paul had a thorn in his flesh, said Corinthians 12, went to Jesus three times. Can you move in? He said, no, Paul, I'm not moving in. My grace is sufficient. Here's what Jesus was saying to Paul. You living with that pain will profit you more spiritually than if I healed you and moved it. You ain't getting this. There's some things that God has allowed in our lives that he's not going to move. It keeps us praying. It keeps us in the Word. It keeps us shouting. It keeps us living right. Do I have a witness? Yeah! He, 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 there's purpose. There's, there, and then the problem is for his glory. And then only God can do this thing. And then there's guidance of this great multitude who will become perplexed when Jesus performs this miracle. There is, I know in my own life, and I like being transparent with you, things have transpired in my life when the Lord took my mother home, and by, by the way, today would be her birthday. When the Lord took my mother home at 72, I said, how can you leave all these devils? Here. Are you praying with me? 
And I was really waiting for God to answer me. And I heard nothing. Because it was none of my business. God said, I'm sovereign. And as, and, and listen, my mother's been dead almost 12 or 13 years. And now I can see what I couldn't see. Because he took her. There were others in the family that would have never got saved. Y'all ain't praying with me. That his wisdom is beyond knowledge. Can I get a witness? And, 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 and so, child of God, this, 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 this expositional question is, look what Jesus says in verse 3, Neither has this man sinned, nor his parents. But that the works of God should come forth, be made manifest. Here's his declaration. I must work the works of him that sent me while his day, because night time cometh when no man can work in his love as I'm in the world. I'm the light of the world. So God doesn't agree with all of our reasoning. And let me tell you about the suffering believer. I know you feel like, why me, why this, why now? I do too. Yeah. I know at times you feel like, man, I had it easier in the world. It seems that way, doesn't it? Come on, on, y'all going to talk back to me? That's the way you think. That's not the way God thinks. Let me tell you why I think God allows us to suffer. It's not only for us. Is for others who are watching us. He deals with this exposition. And then secondly, he deals with this qualifier of experience. Look at verse 6. Are you with me? That turn, just turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, my sight Say it. My sight is my plight. That's healthy. My sight is my plight. Hmm. My God. Hmm. And that explains, listen, a whole lot about me and about you. Hmm. Pastor, I'm upset. I'm leaving the church. Bye. River <laughs> dirty, baby. I ain't kissing you back, so I go. See, that's my plight talking. Honey, why? What's wrong? Let me pray with you. Let's reason together. Amen. Let me talk to you. What's wrong, honey? I'm I'm leaving. Bye. (laughs) So God is changing my sights. And many of my sights are because of my plights. Now I was good at baseball. So I have a tendency to exaggerate. So I hit a ball 300 feet. When I tell a story, it went 500 feet. (laughs) So how do you hit a ball 500 feet when the fence is only 250? It kept climbing. Look, look, Look at verse 6. When he had thus spoken, now he's finished with the exposition. Now in the experience, he spat on the ground, he spit on the ground, and made clay. Clay throughout scripture deals with incarnation. That Jesus, the Christ, became incarnate. Don't let anybody fool you. Jesus is God who became incarnate. He took on flesh. Did he take on flesh? He wrapped himself Can I get a witness? 
He wrapped himself in a man-made body. He wrapped himself. Amen. Came in a makeshift delivery room while cows and sheep stared at him and he burst into time. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word, I'm preaching, man. The Word became Verse 14 of John chapter 1, and the word, and we beheld him, the word became flesh. The incarnation, he spit on the ground, he made clay, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man. Let me stop the process here. One commentator said, Oh, he didn't take clay and just tap the man's eyes. Being God, he actually took clay, spit on it, and recreated two eyes in the clay and pasted clay to the man's face. Oh, Lord have mercy. And there's some things in our lives that God had to take his time and make something new and put it on us and in us and through us and with us so that we would come forth like gold. Can I get a witness? See, child of God, I needed God to give me a new heart. I, I don't know about you, but I needed God to give me a new head. I needed God to give me a new mouth. I needed God to give me a new motive. I needed God to give me a new sanctification. I, I needed God to recreate me. He couldn't take all the junk I brought out the world and just use it. He had to let it go. He had to recreate the way I think. He had to recreate the way I am. He had to recreate, come on now, all of my rejection and abandonment issues. He had to recreate. Now my confidence is in Christ. It's Him. It's not me, it's him. He made clay. He put it on a man's face. This is the incarnation. But secondly, when he put the clay on a man's, amen, a crisis formed because there was an irritation. Now let me stop. The process of God perfecting us involves purpose, and some pain. Turning your neighbor and say it's going to take some pain. To change all those years that the locusts have eaten. He's got to renew. Come on now. He's got to remake. He's got to reshape. He, come on now, he, he, God, God, God caused an irritation and then look at this. Verse 7, he tells him, go wash. What do you see? Incarnation, irritation, irrigation. You know what the problem in the church today is? Folk come every Sunday, they ain't been washed. Yeah, I'm preaching. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. When you've been washed. I remember John chapter 13 when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. Peter said, you ain't washing my feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Peter said, well, wait a minute, give me a bath. In the Greek, give me a bath. Jesus said, you don't need a bath. You've already been bathed. Uh-oh. Well, why wash my feet? Because in those in the first century, they walk with sandals. And when you walk, your feet gets dirty. I just need to wash your feet spiritually to keep you in fellowship. Now, let me tell you what that verse does in John chapter 13. It solidifies and affirms eternal security. Once you've been bathed, you don't need to be bathed over. Every Sunday I come to church, I don't need to be bathed. I just need Jesus to wash me. Yes, sir. I heard Paul writing Peter, Paul writing Timothy, young Timothy, for my perilous times will come. He tells Timothy in the last days, 
Men will be lovers themselves more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness. And he goes on and goes on and goes on. And then he says, listen to this. And I, and I love this. He says, and you too were fornicators, adulterers, infeminate, ba 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 But you have been watched. Yes, denoting. Denoting. You cannot say you saved and washed and you still wallowing in the dirt. Come on now. I, I, I love Jesus too. Yeah, God bless you. Washing denotes that when God gets finished with you, you got to come out different. You got you to walk different. You got to talk different. You got to think differently. Can I get a witness? Oh, I'm preaching up in this place, Tom. This, 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 this incarnation, irritation, irrigation led to illumination. Look at verse 7 at the end. And wash and came away. What? Seeing. You can't say until you've been washed. Can, can we do this in reverse order? Without, ah, without illumination, ah, you cannot have illumination until you've had irrigation. You cannot have irrigation until you had some irritation. You cannot have irritation until you met the incarnation. Can I get a witness? Oh man, I'm preaching like God. I ain't got to say amen. I say amen for myself. Check it out. I'm preaching truth. Once I'm washed by Jesus, I can't twist no more. Once I'm washed... By Jesus, I can't sell drugs no more. Once I'm, once I'm washed by Jesus, oh, I can't lay up no more. You know, I hope you you, you notice I got stuck a little bit. I can't lay up too much more. <laughs> once I've been washed by Jesus, I don't want to send y'all to hell this morning. But once I've been washed by Jesus. I'm a new man. Can I get a witness? And incarnation leads to irritation, leads to irrigation, leads to illumination, leads to inspiration. I'm inspired to live right. Because I've been washed. Can I hold up, pause, and park just a minute? Because I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Can I get a witness? I'm a new man in Christ. Because I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, I'm walking right by the Word of God. Because I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, I'm not sitting in the premises, but I'm standing on the premises. Because I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, I know, amen, that I, He has all power in His hands. Can I get it? Because I've been washed in the power of the blood of Jesus, uh, Satan can't have me. Satan can't hurt me. Satan can't doom me. Can I get a witness? Because I've been washed, I got angels around me. Holy Ghost inside of me. Grace hoovering over me. Because I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I've got the victory this morning. I'm not fighting for the victory, but I'm fighting from the victory. Because I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Because I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I, I, I'm already victorious. Can I get a witness? My life's going to work out fine. Everything's going to be all right. Children going to be all right. Family going to be all right. Finances going to be all right. Say yeah. Because I'm washed in the blood. 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 What? shall wash away my sins nothing 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 but the blood of Jesus what shall make me whole again no 
with the empirical of a quest. Now the word empirical, if you had philosophy 101, you've learned that empirical knowledge, E-M-P-E-R-I-C-A-L, empirical means having experienced. But it also means experiment. And the third definition is without theory. When something is empirical, there's no theory. It's a proven fact. Y'all see where I'm going with this. So, so in, this, in this empirical quest, verses 9 and 10, uh, the, the, you know, the crowd, the leaders get him and say, how are your eyes open? Verse 11, who healed you? Verse 12, where's he? And the man said, I don't know where he is. And they, they put this man under scrutiny. And, and, and then they call his parents in verse 20. Are you following me? And then in verse 24, this, 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 the, the Pharisee said, but this man called Jesus is nothing but a sinner. Can I get a witness? And here's the empirical knowledge. I'm closing on this. This man, after thinking about the expositional and the experiential, he moves to the empirical. He said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I can't answer all of your expositional questions. I don't know all of the doctrinal, amen, uh, diligences of Scripture. He says, but this one thing. Hey, y'all excuse me. This one thing. I'm, I'm, I've experienced something I ain't never experienced before. This, this one thing I know. It's not theory. It's not guesstimation. It's not what I've heard. It's not what somebody told me. It's not what I've seen. It's not what I think. He said, but this one thing, I know I was blind. But now, 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 I see. Can I get a witness? That's called empirical knowledge. The man said, whether you can accept it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether my parents agree or not, doesn't mean a hill of beans. It's one thing. And when you leave this church this day, there's one thing. You ought to know you didn't get here by yourself. There's one thing you ought to know. Somebody snatched you out of hell. There's one thing you ought to know. Somebody was watching over you and your family. There's one thing you ought to know. God turned your bad times into good times. God turned your sin into sanctification. Can I get a witness? God turned your problems into power. This one thing. I said one thing. One thing. I know. I was blind. But now. 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 I see. Do you see? Do you see? Do you 
close you may not have the exposition you may not have all the experiences but there's some empirical stuff that nobody can tamper with all I know is I was blind but right now I got 2020 I see As every head is bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you want to be saved. Don't be in here playing around. Jesus died for your sins with burden rose again. Just raise your hand. Give him your life right now. Raise your hand. He died for your sins with burden rose again. If you want to be saved, just raise your hand. Is there one? Perhaps you want to join the church, raise your hand. We had five this morning. Raise your hand. Is there one? Father, we thank you for the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And God, we believe you are the light of the world. And our sight is our plight. So change our sight so we can get rid of all of this plight. Our issues, our insecurities, our invisible attacks, our fractures, our wounds, our perceptions, which are faulty. Help us to love your people, to love you. Help us to accept ourselves, accept others, and accept you. We thank you for changing our sights. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, amen. you don't even look the same. He's changed my sight. You are dismissed. Pray for pastor. We love you. Have a great day. Let's go.